Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Exvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep can drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals and impact your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. Today, we're excited to announce the release of the Exvoyant Sales Leadership Book. This book features secrets of some of the world's greatest sales leaders around the world. You'll be introduced to coaching tactics, the building blocks of high-growth teams, and insights you can apply today in how you lead your team. This book is free, no strings attached. So head to exvoyant.com, download the book, read it, and share it today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Woody Clementson, Vice President of Sales for Divi. Divi is the most secure payment platform for businesses. Divi automates the entire expense report process, helps companies eliminate fraud and wasteful spending, and manages online subscriptions, and they do it for free. Under Woody's leadership, Divi's sales team has grown from six reps to over 100 since the beginning of 2018, and they just announced $250 million in funding in January to help them disrupt this market and take on some well-established heavyweights. Now, prior to to joining Divi, Woody led the entire inside sales team at Jive Communications. We are super excited to have Woody on the show with us today. Woody, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rob. Excited to be here. Woody, you are driving a ship that is driving is flying fast right now, man. Uh, Divi has really made a lot of noise in the last year, and especially as of late. Uh, first of all, super excited to have you on the show, and I'm wondering if you can start by introducing uh, Divi to our listeners a little bit about what you do and a little bit about what's going on right now. Of course. Uh, Divi has uh, disrupted a market that hasn't had any anything new in the, almost the last decade. Uh, Divi, uh, the CEO, Blake, is a genius, and him and his co-founder, Alex, found an opportunity as they as they were looking to, to start something that has blown a mark, this market and has changed the way people have thought. Switching from the expense management from a reactive process to a proactive management, where the individuals that are from a sales leader like myself or to a controller, they now feel the control of being able to see how the manage their money is being managed and also now t- saving days or weeks from having to track sales leaders down like myself to turn in a, a, an expense report. And it's been blowing up. It's been a fun part. It's been a fun journey. 
Yeah, I don't know any sales leaders that like the expense report process. So if you can simplify that and make that uh, better, I think that you're everybody's best friend, man. Um, Every single listener on here has uh, has gotten an email from their controller saying, I need the picture of this receipt. Hey, will you go track down the sales guy? You know, what happened here? What happened here? And uh, it, 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 if you want time to be on the phones and work, working with your clients, you need Divi to take that. They save you a whole day of work. Brother, it's the most common thing I get from our CFO is, hey, Rob, I need these, 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 these. I'm like, ah, leave me alone. <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I get it. I can't wait to can't wait to learn more about what you're doing and because the, the results have been staggering. I want to get into a little bit about the growth and what you're doing to help drive it because your success story is is one of those ones that, like when people from out of out of Utah uh, talk to me about what's going on in Utah, your, your company is one of the first ones people ask me if I know. Can you just, for our listeners, tell them a little bit about your story? How did you get started in sales and, and maybe the uh, high-level story on what led you to Divi? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I probably have one of the stories like the rest of them out there. Uh, the 17-year-old kid who wanted to run away from home, so decided to to leave the house and go do summer sales. I think that's most of us here, right? <laughs> uh, so I had a great opportunity to be able to to move out and, uh, you know, get my, uh, get my stripes by knocking doors for a bunch of years. Um, after I came back, uh, obviously Utah has had so many opportunities here, um, have, have, have decided to uh, jump into the tech industry and uh, I've been able to sell SaaS for a long time. Uh, it feels like it was only six, seven years ago. I was a BDR, uh, you know, hitting the 120 to 200 phone calls a day and uh, had great mentors uh, like Abe Nell and James Wilson that took me under their wing and showed me the ways and have had great opportunities ever since. Uh, Jive uh, kind of happened out of the blue. And uh, so I was uh, recruited over there to do a turnaround. Their inside sales department had had a couple, you know, rough years. And they were trying to decide if they wanted to keep it or if they were going to close that department and just go through their channel. And uh, so moving over there, a lot of fun challenges as we were able to take that team uh, from eight reps into the most profitable uh, sales department over there that helped with the logging and acquiring them. And uh, I had an opportunity to work with a, a guy named Sterling Snow, one of the most amazing uh, at Jive. He was the PR manager and, uh, director managed all of the PR, huge marketing leader, and has truly a was a huge part of the success that was that was created at Jive. And uh, he, he left right after the Divi, uh, Jive was acquired. Came over to Divi, and um, and then after a little bit, I reached out to him to say, "Hey, what are you doing over there?" Because yeah. and uh, had the opportunity to now come work with him again. So that's awesome. So they brought you in to Divi. Uh, they bring you initially to, as the head of sales when they brought you over? Yeah, they brought me in as the VP of, uh, of sales to be able to grow this team and take, a, take Divi's story to the world. And so you, you get six people and now you're triple digits and, and you're not looking to slow down. You guys, are, you guys are looking to do even bigger things. So here's my question. So you come into a group like that, you've got a pretty disruptive product. You've got uh, something that is making people look twice. How do you, what, what do you do when you come into this group and they, they bring you in to, to throw gas on the fire, stomp on the gas? What do you do to help this group of six say, hey man, let's go times two, let's go times 10, let's go times whatever. What, what are your moves when you join that, 
that obviously works so well. I mean, you, your growth has been phenomenal. What do you do when you come in and take over a team like that to start getting them into high growth mode? You know, uh, great question. The the first thing is, is, you know, as we're getting really close to that 100 mark, we're just, we're almost there. Um, the first, they, they hired the right six. When I came in, um, they the the co-founder, Alex Bean, uh, was currently heading up sales and had the right people there. People that were willing to take a product without funding, uh, a product that was still, you know, brand new to the market. Uh, so when, remember, the product was la- launched last January. So when I came in, you That's know, five months after the product was launched. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy, yeah. And so you have these six people that are just scrappy as can be, really wanted to be a part of a story. They saw it early. They were lucky to be here, and uh, Vivi was lucky to have them. So these, these individuals wanted growth. They wanted, they wanted it to be able to happen. And, uh, and they had Sterling that came in and honestly started uh, making, making the strides in marketing that started changing the story. So the first thing is, is the partnership with other, uh, with other teams. We cannot do what we're doing without the wonderful leadership and uh, marketing uh, that we have here. And it's something that uh, that's where it all starts. So let's compare like here versus other places you've been. Do you have to rely on your partners a little bit differently when you're, like you said, you've only been going for a couple of years and you're having all of this success. Do you have to rely on partners differently than you have to in different types of organizations to make that happen? Um, It is something where that, the way you rely on them and the way that you build together is completely different. Uh, I think most of the sales leaders uh, listening in right now have, have been part of a company where every other department was trying to cover their own ass. They were trying to make sure that they looked good covering their own numbers and not telling a story of growth, but telling a, a story of safety. And uh, when you're in this high growth mode, you have to have every single department uh, aligned and empowered to be able to be part of that story of the growth and not let the sales team take all the glory. Um, even though salespeople are usually the loudest, uh, it's, it, it's been changed. It's honestly, uh, you're, you're watching the results. It, it's that partnership that you're, that's the reason why you're seeing these results. That's really interesting. And so I want to sit on that for a little bit, cause that's interesting to me that that's the first thing you, you point to on, on the blueprint for success is, is a better partnering relationship what are some of the things that, that happen differently? And you, you mentioned that you're aligned. I mean, do you collaborate? Can, can you share like, what, what is it? What's a day in the life like? What's it like to be in a situation where you have partners that you can count on like that? Because I'm thinking about our listeners hearing you talk. What can they say as they go in? I want to try and be that kind of partner. What, what kind of things are happening that makes it so, so important and empowering and, and impactful? Well, uh, let's just hope my, uh, my marketing team doesn't hear all of this because they're going to, I don't want them to know all my secrets. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the first thing you do as, as a leader is one, you, you take your ego out of it. You go talk to a marketing, uh, anyone on the marketing team, whoever is willing to partner with you. And you go through and you actually, uh, be vulnerable. You show them the problems that you're trying to solve, not asking for them to solve them, but trying to be able to ask them for advice because everyone does like to feel like, uh, you know, they're special and they have, they have input in, in that, in that realm. Um, so slow down, take them out to lunch, get to know them as, uh, you know, as individuals and what they're working on and then be able to go through 
and you know let that be the start the seed of the relationship after that you take every moment to recognize them when you blow out your sales number you invite marketing up and you say be with marketing we did this and even at the beginning you're not you're you don't have that relationship yet uh, you have to start there so even if it's one or two leads or it's something super basic you do want to be able to go through and recognize the work that they're putting in. We are, as sales reps, we're the ones that get President's Club. We're the ones that are getting the big bonus checks. We're the ones that are really going out there and get that reputation. These individuals deserve it. Uh, they're, you know, they put in so much work. They use so much creativity to be able to make it happen, and they need to be recognized just like we want to be recognized. All right, so I like that. So I guess my last question on that is, as you reach out first, my my guess is the natural inclination is they reach back. Is that the case? And how does that help? And <clears throat> I mean, because that's, that's as I'm sitting here thinking about that as you're reaching out and you're doing that. Does that make it very natural for them to create a similar type of reach out back to you? It takes a while and it really depends on the marketing leader and if they want to partner back. Uh, but it's something that you have to hold yourself to that standard. Um, I can tell you at the Jive, the way it started was rough. The, the first person that I was trying to partner with uh, didn't want to be a partner. He, you know, there, it was very, very difficult to be able to go through and push that through. Once uh, Sterling and Logan uh, were the ones that uh, were at that realm, um, they were ones that wanted to partner. They were the ones that wanted to be part of the, the success. So the last three days of the month, you provide lunch for your team. Invite marketing every single time. When you bring in donuts in the morning, take them over to marketing every single time. I can tell you every single marketing leader's favorite candy bar, favorite donut. And every single time I have the chance, every time I fill up the gas, gas, I buy Sterling Mike and Ike's. It's one of those things that you do that you have to create habits for to be able to make sure that they know that you're not trying to win without them or trying to take their glory. It's that you are, there's a real partnership that you're trying to win with. And I'm guessing your consistency is what makes them believe you're authentic, which I love. I, I just, I, I love that. Thank you. No All right. Problem. So let's shift. Let's, let's move off of that one and let's get to another one. I, I, I'm thinking about your go to market. So for, for those that aren't aware, can, can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys don't charge your customers for your software, right? Uh, we do not. Um, we are a hundred percent free platform. We actually pay our customers to use us. So talk to me about what that sales process is like and what, what does that help you do and, and what challenges that maybe people might not think happen because of that. I'm, I'm really interested in how you've architected a process around that. Uh, there's a couple things that you start off with. One, you got to be able to understand the market and what the client has to give up. When you're selling a normal, a normal software, um, you have a two-year contract, you have a setup fee, you have on, your ongoing monthly recurring revenue or the service fee. And so when you're negotiating with it, you're trying to add a certain value to that certain price uh, that, you're, that you're providing. Um, obviously, the better sales rep that you are, that you get further and further of that because then the, the money is just money and the, the solution is what they're purchasing. At Divi, that's actually one of the reasons why we've had a lot of success is that people are raises eyebrows. They look back, really? Free? What's the catch? And so you have to be able to go through and really make sure that your value is there because I also can't offer a promo. If I, I can't say the first month free if you sign up in the next 15 minutes. They sign up today or they sign up tomorrow, it's still going to be free. 
Um, and it's still going to be month to month and there's still no contract. So we, that, that's the beginning of the, some of the problems, but also giving us a great opportunity to be able to go attack the market. The first thing we've done is we have obviously gone through and we know the real problem that the clients are having. Um, a normal great needs audit, which every sales leader should be teaching, uh, will help them understand the main pain points that they're covering and then be able to go through and process through that. Uh, but right now, I would say our big hardest challenge and the worst thing about our product is that it's free. Everything else usually takes care of itself. That's crazy. That makes me laugh to hear you say that. And, and for I'm sure there are salespeople here who say the hardest part of your job is that it's free. Um, I mean, that's that it's 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 I get it. And it also makes me chuckle to hear you say that because so often people say, oh, I, I have a budget problem. I have this problem. You're like, none of those become problems, but you have a different set of problems that you're now up against as a salesperson instead, right? You know, I remember at Jive, I, I loved having the excuse. I didn't fit in their budget. I don't have that excuse here. So uh, we've had to really dig down and get in deep to really understand that process. And you know, if, I know that, uh, Rob, you've even spent some time in the, the fintech world on understanding that being free, we make money when they use our platform. Right. So sometimes when you sell a software, they're in contract, they have to pay. If they never use it, they're still, they're still stuck into paying it, and the company is still making money. Divi has a, such a wonderful problem where we, when we sell the software, now we have to partner with our customer support and our onboarding team. Um, to make it so that we're actually giving them clients that are going to use our platform. And so it's made us level up as, as a sales leader and the sales reps as they've had to figure out how to really sell the ongoing relationship and the change management afterwards. Again, I, I, right now, if I could sell a contract and charge for it, I, you know, it would make it, it would make my job a little easier. So, so given that, what's your top objection? I'm really interested. You know, what's the top objection that you have to train your guys on how to be able to handle? You know, first, uh, the, the top objection that the guys that they struggle with, uh, with within our team is that remembering that they're actually selling something and they're not giving it away because because it's free, it's almost a no brainer. Why wouldn't they do it? Why wouldn't you go through that process? Because it's free. You're going to get cash back and it solves your problem. And so some of the basics uh, that are that we learn in you know, our first time being a BDR overcoming objections. Um, and managing that is remembering that we have to go through that full process because we do have laydowns. We have low hanging fruit. I believe like everyone does, but we do have a quantity of those. And so we, those that are a little bit difficult and actually are going through the full process, we have to keep our, our weapon sharp. I love something that, uh, uh, I, I don't know who I'm quoting here. I'm going to ruin it for you, but it's saying like, if you, you don't want to give a man a fish, you, you want to teach them to fish yep, yep, when there's yep. enough fish, you don't, you don't want, you don't want them to get entitled. You don't want them to be able to go through and you want to make sure that they keep their, their act sharp. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, I, I think that that's a really interesting perspective. And I guess what I like is no, no fish jump in the boat either to, to, to extend your, your uh, analogy, your quote, you still got to go out and catch those fish, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest jobs we have with our reps as we're developing them is to teach them how to go and get them to get in the boat. So what are some of the other things? So you, you've, you, you've, you've talked to me a little bit about your objections. You've talked to me about your sales process. You've talked to me a little bit about how you partner. As you think about your leadership uh, approach as a sales leader, what are some of your non-negotiables, things you do to help 
help your reps do their very best work? You know, the, the first thing that you have to do as a leader, and this goes from, I have to remind myself this, and I, I have to remind my leadership team this, is we are the example. So do not ask something out of someone if you're not going to be willing to do it. And so I, I spend, I spend time next to my BDRs. Uh, when we have a, a big email day, a big marketing push, and we know we're going to get a flood, I go out there and I'll, you know, I'll spend, I'll spend a couple hours on the floor because I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget what it feels like to be a train in the trench and really going through and knowing those objections because as we're moving a million miles an hour and as this growth is not going to slow down, we cannot forget the basics. So am I writing my goals down every single morning? Am I writing down my gratitudes every single morning, making sure that I am grounded to be able to be that example because I am asking them for them to do that. I am asking them to better themselves every day and no one deserves to take a break. If, if, if we want to be going this fast. So Woody, I'm really glad to hear you say that. We, as you know, the, the whole premise of this show is we only bring on high growth leaders, le- leaders that are doing what the market says and then some. And I have heard this one from a few of the awesome leaders like yourself that say, you know, John Barrow said it first. He said, don't ever, ever ask your team to do something that you yourself don't know how to do or aren't willing to do. And I've heard several others and I think there's so many things with that. It demonstrates, like, I think the best way to coach is to show that you actually know what you're talking about, that you're not disconnected. But I got to think that if you're walking your talk, they're going to think you're authentic in other things as well. I, I, I see too many people right now, Woody, that are wanting to be sales leaders that frankly don't know how to sell or haven't sold. And they think that actually selling, the actual selling part is overrated. I'm, I'm a great leader. I'll lead you anyway. How important, I mean, is that for you? I mean, you brought it up as one of your non-negotiables. Is that a difference maker for you that your team knows that you can do the job? You know, if, uh, if you called any of the, you know, the people on the floor right now, they would see it is non-negotiable. It is something where, um, if I, if you ever see a rep that's struggling, if I ever see something that's, you know, just not adding up, uh, for them, um, there is no excuse for me not to be in the trench with them. Um, so I do spend extra time. I have a, a rep right now that I come, you know, I'm like, he wants to spend more time with me. So I work more hours. So I'm like, great. you be here at seven. I'll be here at seven. So right now we're doing a call review every morning at seven or going through and going practicing in that realm. Even though I have a manager that's doing that and he's a wonderful leader and going through that, it still is no excuse for me not to do it. My job is not to be strategic, high level thinking, you know, Think worrying about year problems. My job is to worry about quarter and month problems. And that is making sure that the people are taken care of, but the process is reliable. And if I'm not in there with them, then there's no way I can be confident that's reliable. Dude, I love that. That I, I, I love that. I just wrote that one down. My job is not to think about annual problems. It's about to think about quarter and month problems. And you make the challenges of your reps, the challenges that you're, that you're focused on. That that's fantastic, man. Um, I, you know, as as you break down that, it, it, it is important because it's all of us want to be in those strategic meetings. All of us want to be in in some of those th- meetings, looking at well, what are we going to do from a year? You can't do that in high growth. Divya is going to be different in a quarter from now. So if I'm worried about what we're going to look like in a year, I'm going to be wrong. So don't waste time on it. So insightful, Woody. 
I love it. That's, it. It's so funny that you went there. A lot of people will ask me sometimes, oh, so you know, what do you, what's X1 it look like uh, three years from now? I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Ask me what it's going to be like by the end of this year. I think I can answer that. Outside of that, man, we're just running as fast as we can run. So I'm with you. I get you know, it. it last, last year when uh, my first week, uh, the CEO, Blake, Blake Murray, if you guys aren't following him on LinkedIn, you should. Uh, he's amazing, a wonderful leader. Um, but where I did a meeting with the co-founders, Blake and Alex, and then Sterling and I, and they wrote a big number on the board um, to say, all right, we're going to have this many clients at the end of the year. And we're like, yeah, oh, how? Like, we had no idea how. Uh, I think Sterling threw up. Like, it was, it was that sickening of a number. Uh, and we blew that out <laughs> and by hundreds. And it's like, so when you look that far away, it should scare you. Um, but and I also now teach my reps the same thing. They don't worry about year problems or quarter problems. Their job is to worry about day problems and week problems. Because if they focus on today and the things they're doing in this hour, the week will take care of itself. So how do you set goals then? Do you set short-term goals or annual goals with your team? Um, we go through and do a couple different things. The first thing is we, we've branded something called G2s. I want to make sure that every single morning you're writing down two things you're grateful for and two of the goals that you are going to feel accomplished by going home. Hmm. When you're in a high growth company, the company can feel like it might outgrow you because it is growing so fast and you now have so many people that are growing. Sometimes you're, there's going to be new problems that you didn't even know existed. So if you don't write down two things that a good day looks like, so I can go home proud. The house might be on fire, but I did these two things, so I can still go home proud. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I really like so that. So we, 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 and that's where you start, is you start off with that. Uh, but every single one of us, me included, we, we start running out of fuel. Every single one of us has a hard time at 2, 3 o'clock when we're, we're now getting close to the end of the day, and we might, we might have had to deal with a ton of rejection today. We might honestly have been told no two, three, four hundred times. Um, by two, three o'clock by how fast things are going. And so if you don't reset a goal at three o'clock to say, this is what I'm going to get done with before I go home, then your, your last two hours are never as productive as they should be. That's a great one. What else? Any other non-negotiables? I love that first one. I, those are two great ones. You know, do the job, you know, be, be willing to do it yourself. Number two, uh, you're focused on like these, these grateful things and these goal things I think is, it's awesome. It provides fuel to get through your day. I really, really like that. No one's ever suggested that. Any other non-negotiables in your leadership style that you, you could share quickly with our, our listeners? Um, yeah, obviously if there, I have a, a long list of things that I go through uh, to make sure I'm not uh, falling in a rut or too boring of a routine. Um, so I do keep a list uh, by myself of things that I, I need to go back to uh, to remind myself right now. We're focusing on confidence. As a sales leader, you have to have the persona that you can't lose. That losing yeah. is not an option. And so right now, uh, that's the one that's the non-negotiable for me. Uh, we're yelling it out on the floor. Uh, other departments are now picking it up. Uh, it's just like, I can't lose. And so if they feel like they're losing a deal, it's like, I can't lose. Get me on the phone. Um, and just go through <laughs> and drive, 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 drive. And, uh, and one, it makes a, we're more confident, but the reps have to see that confidence because if you're confident, they'll be confident. Your DJ, your buyers, your divvies, DJ Khaled, all you do is win, man. And, uh, that's it. That's you, man. It's all you, all you do is win no matter what. I love that. I can't lose. Put me on the phone. That's fantastic. 
Let me shift gears. Those are three good non-negotiables that everybody that's listening to the podcast can benefit from. I love that confidence concept. I, uh, we could probably have a whole podcast, you and I, on how do you develop confidence. So let me parlay. I would love that. that. Let me parlay off of that. Though. Okay. As a leader, you sound extremely confident to me as I listen to you, and I love it. You're firing me up. It makes me want to go sell something right now, uh, Woody. Um, how do you know when you're having an impact as a leader? So you're leading this team, you're growing fast, and I and I want to take I want to take results off of the table. Obviously, when you're hitting your number, that's a way of knowing that you're winning. But I'm talking about besides the scoreboard, besides all I do is win. How do you know when you're having an impact with with the members of your team? You know, let, I'll get intimate with you here, uh, Rob. All um, right, let's this do is it. something. This is something all sales leaders are going to struggle with. There, you, we as sales leaders are so emotionally connected. We are so emotionally dealing with the pressures from above, the pressures from below, sales reps wanting to get paid more, the company wanting to get paid more. Um, and there is, there is no glory in being the VP of sales of a high growth company. The glory comes from, uh, from internal. It, it, it's all inside. I, I, when you're here, it can't, you're not here. Be, you can't be here. I cannot come into work, work the 60 to 90 hours a week just to, for something else besides myself and my story. Um, because it's not mine. The success that we're creating and the success that you're seeing with Divi, I might be the voice of the team, but I have just under a hundred people outside my office that deserve all of that glory. They're the ones that are out there in front of it. And so it has to be internal because I can't take their glory away from them. So I get that. I get what you're saying. And so when when you're hitting that number and you're having success like that, I guess what I'm saying is, is there anything besides the team, you know, hitting a collective number that you point to that helps you know, hey, you know what? I'm I'm making an impact with these guys so they can uh, okay. succeed. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, when you work with the you know, there's, there's different levels, uh, to this answer. Um, there, you know, as having managers and directors underneath me, the impact that they're making is directly with the reps and that they're going to be able to see. So it has to be one understanding what part of the process you're trying to take, uh, or I would say feel that validation from because every single one of us is looking for the validation. So how do I know that they're being successful? How do I know that they're winning, not looking at the scoreboard? It's looking at the process of the team first. How is the team, how is the team process working? Can I, can the process add something in, uh, add a new sales rep into it and then have, get the outcome that you're expecting? Because a lot of times you have these A player sales reps, they come in and they blow it up and they don't follow your process. That's not winning. That, that's obviously going to be able to create some success on the, sto- the, the scoreboard, but it's not creating the success in the process or for the company. And so you have to be able to look at the team. And then if the team is taken care of, then the people will know that they can be successful. They know that they have their roadmap and their math problem to succeed. And then you're going to be able to find that success and how efficiently your pro- problem is coming. Or sorry, I just got flipped off by one of my, my people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not having an impact there, obviously. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> no, it's, uh, she's one of my, uh, she's, uh, you know, I'm going to make her listen to this now because she's going to nice. know when she did that. Uh, we, uh, 
it was a it's a joke it's an inside joke um we just send middle finger emojis to each other <laughs> um so you know that's where you really know you're finding that, that impact you're it's not from the thank you the thank yous are obviously nice the, the, it, that those stories are there but it's really from knowing that your process and the people have a chance to succeed and that's a little long. long Love it. No, it's a good answer, and I like it. So you know you're having an impact if you can see a clear pathway for them to have a chance to make it. So it's not like, how am I going to get there? You're able to see that these guys have a well-lit pathway to success, and that's that's a great way of looking at it, Woody. I like, I like that lens. Am I creating a well-lit pathway for every rep on that team? Uh, that That's the stuff that culture is made of, right? You know, that's the foundation. And then uh, it's it's holding up that foundation that's important. But I, I appreciate you rewording that into a way uh, for the listeners. No, I, I, I think it's a I think it's a really good one. I, I like that. So that's those are some good things. We're starting to run out of uh we're starting to run up on it. I wanna get into a couple of questions that I, I ask lots of people when we when we do this. I'm really interested in yours. Uh, I can't wait for the first answer of this one. I want you to think back as a leader. You've had a, a really killer uh, experience right now as a sales leader, both at Jive and here. What's the toughest sales leadership experience that you've had to see so far? And and how do you handle that that challenge? There's a couple I, I won't share, so I'll tell the one I'm comfortable with. Neil. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there's a, the toughest challenge you deal with when you're you're going into when you know starting off at a new company or your the process isn't discovered yet no one in the world has is building what divi is building so i can't go steal someone else's process mm. and then rebrand it and make it work and so um that's when it's going to be the hardest that's what the, those are the, the situations i've i've had to go through meet with my mentors uh share that problem with others partner with new departments I'm working with the QA team on the coding something to be able to understand why a process is a certain different way. And those are the challenges that I would say are the hardest is when there isn't even a start point uh, for that to build that well-lit path. And you have to be able to go through and really figure it out. And then you're going to get halfway there and you're going to figure out you're wrong and you're going to restart the maze over and over and over again until you figure it out. So is there any, any best practices on how you play that game of guess and check? Is there, is there anything that, you know, cause that probably takes some fuel too. You probably sometimes feel like you're stuck in a labyrinth when you're doing that, don't you? Uh, stuck is a, a word I've used before. Um, but <laughs> the, it all starts, there is a process to it. And one, it's the first thing is, confidence within yourself, knowing that, yes, you're the one that's going to figure this out or you're going to lead the team or be part of the partner with the team to be able to figure it out. Uh, so there's an internal confidence. When you fail, you should celebrate that failure. We have a, a wonderful F-bomb uh, metal paperweight trophy that we use uh, for our fail fast, fail forward channel. And you it. have to be so comfortable with failure that it is your, it is your favorite option that you're celebrating every single time you fail because if you're not failing, you're not trying. And oh, that's, so that's the first process. That's so good. Woody. I, again, that's another one that we haven't heard on here. Don't be afraid of failure. In fact, 
you're you're celebrating it because you just learned something. I'm guessing that's that's why, right? Uh, if if anyone asked me, you know, on the street, you know, how uh, how I've gotten to where I'm at, even though I don't feel like I'm even halfway there or even starting my my real my my full path here, it, it is that failure. I, I promise, that anyone at my age could have had this job if they chose to fail as much as I did. And there's no, I'm the best failure out there. I'm the biggest, and I'll, I'll celebrate that every day. That is a killer, killer way to handle that challenge. I am so glad you shared that. Last thing we're going to talk about, we'll wrap this thing up. I can't believe that we're already, we're already there. It went fast, man. Thank you, first of all, for being such an outstanding guest. One of the things that we've learned, Woody, is that leaders are, they never, the great leaders never stop learning. They always want to keep finding what's next. And we found at least leaders are readers. Is there anything in your personal library that's been helpful in your leadership journey? Uh, I love that uh, you bring that up. And so everyone that's listening can be able to, you know, steal a little bit of the book club uh, from, uh, from, the, from your other listeners. And I've gotten a couple books myself that I haven't heard about from your podcast. So awesome. Um, the first, the first thing I'm going to challenge on that reading is not that important. Implementing what you read is what's important. So if you're, if you're, if you're on audible and you're, you're like, you want to brag that you've read 50 books a year. Great. Brag about what you've implemented <laughs> from the 50 books you, you read this year. Man, so the first thing. Keep going. No, I'm loving your, your, I love your style, Woody. Keep going, bro. So I can list off multiple books that I've chosen to implement. The first one that I need, and I know this one has already been mentioned uh, previously, um, but it is the go-giver. I was the most selfish. I was so selfish. I was the worst sales rep. Even though I might have been number one, it, no one liked me. No one liked me. And you cannot be a sales leader <laughs> if no one likes you. And uh, you, you can ask multiple that, people. Yeah. I am an acquired taste, and that's what my best friend would say about me. Um, but it is implementing that, and The Go Giver is one of the is one of those books that really made an impact in my life. Um, but I, I can list off over a hundred books that I've chosen to implement um, and take from uh, from my bookshelf. So that's that's probably that's the shortest and the fastest one to go from. You know, I hadn't read that, and someone else had recommended, it and I've read it. And I will endorse that endorsement. I think that's a, it's a game changer when you, when, if you read that and take it for what it is uh, and are willing to be introspective. I actually love that story. I wish I got into that. You know, your, your personal journey on becoming more of a giver, because as I was listening to you talk right now, Woody, that if there's one word that has screamed at me is authentic uh, partner and a giver. And so for whatever your journey's been, well, you've done a good job uh, focusing on those around you more than yourself is what it seems to me. Well, I appreciate that. But again, it's not what I've read. It's what I chose to implement. And that's the most important thing uh, when you look at someone's library. I think that's fantastic. I'm really glad you said that. Thank you for sharing that. So we're we're done, man. This has been a, a, a terrific episode. I'm really excited to share this one. We're going to have a lot of people that are going to want to follow Divi. They're going to want to get more of what you're, you're uh, all about, Woody. You've already told us to follow your founder, how do they follow you? How do they get more of what you're doing and what you're thinking, what you're laying down? How, how do they get more Woody? You know, uh, one, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Woody Clements, and I'm the only one out there. And, you know, I would love to be able to connect. Um, I, I, I'm willing to go through um, Manipulated by Free Lunch. 
but uh, I would also uh, we have the best uh, team here. So you know, Alex Bean, Sterling Snow. If you want to follow Divi, you know, start off with some of those leaders, and you're going to be able to see the story. And uh, we're we're going to make a footprint. So we're not going anywhere. And to get if they want to learn more about Divi, where do they go? Uh, I would go to getdivi.com. Uh, first and foremost, uh, every single one of you that's a sales leader that is wasting uh, a couple hours a day, uh, a couple hours, couple hours a month doing your expense report, recommend it to your uh, controller. Get yourself a demo. Get it in there, and now let it make an impact in your life so you can focus on your job, not doing the controller's job. All right, Woody, this was a terrific conversation. I cannot wait to uh, learn more about you, get to know you better, uh, get more of what you're laying down for the rest of us. He is not a fear, uh, not afraid of failure. He, uh, he is a humble, humble servant that is kicking more than his share of ass. And he is known inside Divi as the DJ Khaled. All he does is win. Uh, Woody, thanks so much for joining us and happy selling, my friend. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview. And we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? And it was awesome to have Woody join our show. Divi is really growing ridiculously fast. It is the absolute definition of a high-growth company. Um, fun to have someone on that's right in the middle of hyper-growth. You know, a year ago, six reps, now over 100, uh, turning lots of heads, uh, really crazy revenue growth. Kind of a fun story to look at, and it's interesting to see how they're they're the Davids that are not afraid to take Goliaths on. And I, I felt, as I went over my notes, there's a lot of interesting takeaways. You know, like if you're an entrepreneur, where do you look for places to innovate and, and why you shouldn't be afraid of taking on well-established giants because if people haven't, haven't innovated and, and you can be the first one to show people a better way, um, just how fast you can grow. And, and, and there's a lot of things like that. But really there were three things that jumped out at me as I broke down the interview and I got away from it for a second. I thought, what did I really learn from Woody? And I, I learned a ton. Um, I went back and listened to that a couple of times. I was, I was just, there's a lot of great nuggets in there from Woody. But here's the three things that, that jumped out at me. If you look at the very first place he pointed, uh, when, when he, when I asked him, what's driving growth? What, what are your non-negotiables? The very first thing he pointed to was great partnering. And it's interesting, you know, a lot of times sales leaders and salespeople, they want to look in the mirror when they win, but they look out the window when they lose. And when you ask someone, why do we win, they'll tell you all the things they did right. Well, I really thought it was refreshing to see that the very first thing he wanted to point to was that this ecosystem they've built where all of the people that are there, it seems like they have mission mentality and they're in really great alignment. And, and he talked about how partnering wasn't about ass covering, it was about finding ways to win together. And, and if you listen to what he talked about was the blueprint for good partnering, here's three questions or three kind of lenses you could look through. The first one is how vulnerable have you been with your partners? You know, how well, how, really how, how much do they understand what's at stake for you? Which led to another one, how well do you actually know them? We've talked a lot on the show about how, as a sales leader, you need to get to know your reps and you need to know everybody on your team. Well, I like Woody's definition of team is that team extends to everybody at Divi, not just the sales team. And so he's he's showing that he wants to get to know all of the people on his team, which basically means everyone. I really like the part where he knew their favorite everything. And, and I don't think that he was doing stuff in a manipulative way. I don't think he was doing it in a non-authentic way. 
he sure came across to me that he's trying to build relationships for authentic reasons because it fuels the mission that they all signed up for. And the last lens that you look through is he, he was very clear and he did it himself, take every chance possible to really build up and, and give kudos to those people. Uh, I, I thought that was really good. Number two might be the most important. I don't know. All three of these are important, but this one was killer. We've talked a lot about value. We've talked a lot about um, how, how do you connect with customers on the show. It was interesting for him to talk about the role of price, and he actually said them having a free service creates some different challenges for them. But what it really reinforced to me, what it really reinforced to me as I listened to what what he had to say was at the end of the day, that is the greatest evidence of all time that value is not about price. Value is about the problem that you solve or the result that you achieve. And so if there's one thing you want to be really good at, we've had a lot of people on the on the show. We've had Keenan on here talking about gap selling. We've had a lot of different guests on here talking about speaking the language of problems. That is more evidence than you'll ever need. Even if you're giving it away for free, you had better be able to, to really understand the problem you're solving. And it's not just what it costs to do expense reports. There's so many other things that go to the problem they solve or the result they achieve. And, and at the end of the day, your problems have to be greater than your products. And so go back and listen to that again. You, you better be able to solve problems people care about or achieve results people care about. And dollarization is about the value in solving the problem. Dollarization is never about the ROI you create. ROI on your product and dollarized value of solving a problem are two different things. And if you're struggling to understand that, please, please call me. Reach out to me. It's, it's one of the most important conversations we can have. And that leads to number three, which was really a dominant part of this interview. He leans towards action. You know, I was listening to him talk about teaching people to fish and, and all the action-related things they do. There's a lot of elements there. There's a quote that uh, comes to mind that's attributed to Patton. I think it's attributed to a few people. I'd probably give it to Patton because I think he's cool. I think he's a badass. It says, luck favors the man in motion. I'll say it another way. Luck fails the leader in motion. Luck favors the salesperson in motion. And and if you think about that, it reminds me of something my grandfather used to say, that you can't take a boat out into the lake and expect fish to just jump in the boat. And I think that's a good attitude that, that he shared. There's all kinds of things, non-negotiables around that. You know, don't forget how to do the job. Keep doing the job. You know, create confidence because you know what you're doing. I can't lose. Uh, but I really thought his short-term focus uh, concepts were big. I'm not going to get caught up in the year. I'm going to worry about solving the year problems, and I'm not going to have as much urgency here in in uh, March because I got all year to catch up. Nah, man. He's like, I'm solving daily problems. I'm solving monthly problems. I'm not focusing on annual initiatives. And, and I thought maybe the best tactic that we heard was the idea of every day, you know, two things we write down that means we had a good day, and then resetting that in the afternoon. What are two things we're still going to get done so they don't – they don't like burn out and run out of fuel. Keep fueling that tank. I mean, at the end of the day, our job isn't to motivate people. It's to create a world where the motivated can succeed. But part of that is making sure they have enough fuel for the journey. So I, I loved it all. And I thought the final thing he said was, you know, that, that don't you don't feel fear failure. If you're not failing, you're not trying. It reminds me of a ski instructor that told my daughter, if you're, if you're not falling when you're coming down the mountain, you're, you're not learning. So don't be afraid of that. Embrace it. Celebrate it. Great interview with a great company and a great leader. Be sure to hit up uh, Woody. Go check him out. Uh, I, I think he's a great follow. 
And, and at the end of the day, thank you to all of you. We sure appreciate the feedback we're getting. I love hearing from each of you listeners with ideas of people to interview or, or just your thoughts about recent episodes. Keep giving us those five-star reviews. Keep telling those you work with about what we're doing over here. And as always, don't worry. Just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exploit at exvoyant.com.